Welcome to the Grace Avenue Church Podcast, where we believe that the grace of God is yours to live. It is our prayer that this message will help you experience God's freedom, live your potential, and make the impact you were created for. Now here's the message. This morning we're talking about relationship resolves. Relationship resolves. So let's think about this, what a resolve is. A resolve is pretty much, for the most part, where you make a decision, where uh, nothing can budge from that decision. Some of you today will make a resolve to go eat somewhere, and you will go to that place, and it came from your resolve. Uh, Correct? You resolved in your mind and in your head to go somewhere. You decided you went there, and your stomach will be filled because you thought about it now during the 9 a.m. service when I started talking about food, and it led to you making a decision where you resolve to go there. Well, there's many things that we kind of leave to chance when it comes to resolves. Many things we leave to chance. So if we think about getting together with somebody here today, we'll cross paths with someone and say, hey, how have you been? And hey, we need to get together. We haven't gotten together in a long time. Let's get together for coffee. Or maybe our family should get together for dinner. And, and when do you want to do it? I will, well, let's talk about it in a few weeks. We know we want to get together. I'm usually good on Fridays or Thursdays. And we'll, we'll plan it ahead and we'll kind of leave it to chance what it is that we're going to eat, but we'll resolve in one way that at least we're going to get together. There's a resolve there. Same thing with, with uh, an apartment or a house that maybe we're living in, and it becomes too small. We start to say, you know what? It's time to move. I, I, I'm resolved that I want to move, but I'm not necessarily resolved about where I want to be or what I'm going to do next. Same thing with career. Same thing with, with transition. Same thing with a lot of the decisions that we make. We kind of leave them to chance. We leave things to chance, but when it comes to the relationships in our lives, we cannot leave those to chance. And I'm going to talk about this, and I believe this is one of the most important aspects of what people call the Christian life. Following Jesus, life in Christ, giving your heart to the Lord. However people phrase it, at the end of the day, following Jesus means there's a resolve in us about the relationships in our life. The people that are in our life, the people that we impact. See, there are many things in life that we leave to chance, but when it comes to the relationships in our lives, we have to be intentional. Intentional. So intentionality says this, I've thought about this and I've made a decision. Intentionality says right here, this is the standard. This is the standard. We're intentional about it. We're specific about it. We choose it. We see it. We're intentional about it. Intentionality distinguishes you from mediocrity. Have you ever walked into a a place where you could tell they took no pride or any thought in doing what they probably could have done? Or you, you, you walk into somebody's house and they didn't clean it before you got there. I love what you've done with the place. It looks beautiful, right? Not because they didn't have time, but because they didn't care. You know, they they weren't intentional about it. Intentionality distinguishes you from mediocrity. Intentionality decreases the impact of unforeseen circumstances. Many times things happen because we weren't intentional about doing what we needed to do. Like some of us might not even know whether or not we have a spare tire in the vehicle. (laughs) What happens if you get a flat tire? Oh, I don't know. I guess I'll change it and put the the spare on. Do you have a spare? You won't know unless you're intentional to check about that spare, right? And what I'm saying is when it comes to relationships and our life, your life is going to end up somewhere. 
and it's going to end up someplace. Your, 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 you as parents are going to end up somewhere. You as a man, you're going to end up somewhere. You as a, as a business person are going to end up somewhere. And so my thought is, if we're already going to end up somewhere, why not be intentional about it? And if we're already going to end up there with people in our life, there's 8 billion of them on the earth. I don't think they're going anywhere anytime soon. Then we might as well be intentional about the ones that are in our life. Resolve means this, a firm determination to do something, to decide firmly on a course of action. You know, when you think about most of the pain in our life that's caused by relationships, a lot of time it was relationships that we were not intentional about. Think about it. A lot of the pain that that, that affects our life when it comes to relationships is because those relationships just kind of happen to come into our life and, and maybe we didn't know as much as we know now and uh, maybe we think better than we did then, but at the end of the day, we're far more intentional now, aren't we? Because of our experiences. See, but in order to be intentional about relationships, we have to know what, what I believe is the desired outcome from our, for our life. And this is where the rubber meets the road when it comes to relationship resolves. Us getting together and really deciding who are we and what do we reflect and what type of people do we want to see in our life down the road. Right? Come on, we tell our kids this all the time. Don't hang around him. He's trouble. Don't, your mom told you this 50 times a week. Don't, don't, they're trouble. Don't hang around them. Right? There's something about them. Why? They weren't judgmental. Your mom could see something that you couldn't. And your mom had a resolve about the type of friends you were going to have. Or your dad had a resolve about the type of life he wanted to lead. Or the type of family he wanted to have. Or grandpa or grandma. Somebody had some resolves that helped shape your life. And that has helped shape to shape you to where God is going to take you, right? So what is the desired outcome of the relationships that we think about in our lives? Let me ask you this. Have you taken time to think about the resolve for yourself and where you went to end up? This is a great conversation to have. Even if it's just between you and a piece of paper where you're writing things down. Where you want to end up. Because if you think about where you want to end up, it will shape who you bring into your life. It will shape who you bring close to. It'll shape who you get counsel from. It'll shape who speaks wisdom into your life, who actually can have an opinion that matters. Anybody ever experienced an opinion that does not matter? It's much better when they matter from people who matter. And the opinions, a lot of them don't matter. But if we think about the desired income in our life, I'm sorry, the desired outcome in our life, it's going to help shape exactly where we're going. I want to go to uh, some scripture here. In Luke, chap- bless you, Luke chapter 14, verse 25. And Jesus is intentional about telling people what it means to follow him. I want to show you this. It's, now great crowds accompanied him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he can't be my disciple. Whoever does not even... Bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, this is the key phrase here, which of you desiring, a desired outcome, desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost whether he has enough to complete it. Otherwise, when he's laid a foundation and is not able to finish it, all who see it will begin to mock him saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going out to encounter another king in war will not sit down and first and deliberate whether or, he, or not he is able with 10,000 men to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? 
And if not, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. In other words, he got scared. <laughs> he knew 20,000 is not going to beat, uh, is going to be easily uh, able to beat my 10,000 people here. And he says, and if not, while the other is a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So therefore, any of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. See, when it came to following Jesus, Jesus wanted it to be clear there is an intentional cost. That sounds like a scary cost, doesn't it? Like we know Jesus so much as, as a friend, and we know his grace, and we know his love, but look how intentional he was about saying what it really means to follow him. Don't get mad at the preacher. Get mad at the, get the minister, okay, at Jesus. <laughs> he says everything, if there's going to be anything between you and I, all of that must go if you truly want to be my disciple. In other words, there's no other relationship that can get in between you and me. And that has to be a choice on you. He doesn't force it on you, but he says, if this is the way it's going to be, here's the resolve. It's you and me first before anyone else. Some of you have some really jacked up friends and family. You're like, I'm cool with that. That's totally fine with me. But look what he was saying. He wanted it to be clear. There is a cost. There is intentionality. He's, just, he's essentially saying, what is your resolve concerning your relationship with me? And that's the question I want us to focus on for a minute. What is your resolve in regard to your relationship with Jesus? Your resolve about him being the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Him being Lord and Savior. Him being your everything. Him being, come hell or high water, come anything and everything against you and anyone against you, at the end of the day, you know he is for you, not against you. You know he'll never leave you nor forsake you. You know that there's no one or nothing else that ever can come or separate you from the love that he has for you. Makes sense, doesn't it? He's saying, what is the resolve for your relationship? It's good to have resolves. It's good to have resolves that help shape your life, that help shape your marriage, that help shape your family. When I think about some of the resolves Janelle and I had, from the very beginning, one of the, the first resolves, first and foremost, was always going to be in a healthy church. Period. No questions asked. No excuses. No, well, we haven't been in a few months because, you know, we just, you know, we got, we've been tired through the week. Not going to happen. It's our entire marriage. Our entire marriage, well, you're pastoring now. Yeah, but even before that, before I was a pastor, church, healthy church, why? Not, not the building is not what we're talking about. We're not talking about the structure. We're talking about a community of healthy people. You ever talk to people who, who hate their church? Hopefully you're not sitting next to them today. But if you ever talk to people who hate their church, what's, what, this, I just, I've never understood this, how they can hate their church but go for years. Okay, I'm not alone. Thank you so much. Because, you know, I, I've heard this for years. Well, we just haven't found a place. That we did, but, but you hate your church. And that pastor, by the way you look at him, knows that you hate him too. And the way you ignore him in the hall and don't serve and just sit with your arms crossed and you're grumpy. He knows and they know. Why are you here? Sow your life, your beautiful grumpy life into someone else's church. Am I telling the truth this morning? And, and I thought, what, where do they come to the place where they resolve that it is better to sit and critique and criticize and do nothing and be miserable and call it the house of God, the people of God? Like, what, where's the resolve? See, I believe that resolve is internal. And, and I believe it starts with us, not with the church, not, not with the job, not with the person. It starts with me. Like, where is the condition of my heart? 
And, 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 and we resolved that a long time ago. And a healthy church was, was just what we were going to live around. We were going to be part of a community of people that not only we could sow into, but could sow back into us. Some of the greatest wisdom that has come from come into my life and into Janelle's life has been simply because we positioned ourselves to receive. We didn't stick a hand out and say, can you help us all the time, even though that's okay. But there were just people that we positioned ourselves, and through that, just by default, God brought people into our lives. God brought people in our life that helped shape our life. So being intentional, ending up somewhere uh, on purpose. Who do you want around you when the chips are down? Who do you want around you when you lose your job? Who do you want around you when you don't know which way to go? Who do you want around you when things get confusing? Everybody knows who's around them when the Super Bowl, Super Bowl party's going on. Everybody knows who's around them at the birthday parties. Everybody knows who's around them when we go out to eat. But really, when, when life keeps going, have you resolved in yourself enough who you want around you? And again, I say, that really can't be shaped until you know the desired outcome. Where do you want to be? What has God put in you? What is important to God about what he says where you should end up? Right? Well, I want to get married. Well, how many times? Once or a dozen? What's your desired outcome? Well, a dozen times. That could be expensive. I don't know about that. But maybe, maybe seven. I don't know. That's a perfect number in the Bible, right? Maybe seven is a good number. Well, where did you get that? Where's your desired outcome? What does God have to say about your future? What does God have to say? What is his heart about your desired outcome. Is this making sense? Is this helping anybody? See, if we don't fix our eyes on what he says, then we'll fix our eyes on what we think is best. And what we think is best changes from the time we're 10 years old to 15 years old to 25 years old to 35 to 45. There's people I called friends at 10 years old that I wouldn't call friends at 18. I wouldn't call friends at 25. And now at 42, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call them friends. I would say that they were people that were in my life. They were acquaintances. They, they were people who I was surrounded by. But who I call friends now, how many of you know that's a, that's a big change? And you too, at this stage of your life, you know or should know who you call a friend. Who is that friend that sticks closer than a brother? Who are the people that we know are investing in us as much as we are investing in them? Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 says, Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter, of our faith for the joy set before him think about this his desired outcome the joy that was set before him jesus endured the cross it says scorning its shame and now he sits at the right hand of the father why he saw the joy that was set before him the joy of what of you and i being set free of you and i having sin broken off of us of you and i being not kept bondage to sin but being liberated from the effects of sin he saw that, and that was the joy set before him. And so the joy was set before him so he could endure to receive the desired outcome. We have to be able to endure the things that God calls us to. And I'm telling you, it's much better to do it with people that you like. It's much better to do it with people who you love and who love you. And if you have ever been stuck in a job you can't stand, in, in, in a family setting you can't stand, in a relationship that, that you know is, is jacked up and broken and, and for the most part hopeless and void of any type of health, then you know the power of healthy relationships around you. You, you know the importance of learning to be intentional about the relationships in your life. 
Is this helping you? Okay. I want to do something a little different here. I want to go through just some things that, that really have helped shape because I had this message, tried, I tried to shape it a few different ways, and I thought I would just share some of the resolves that have shaped my life as I've leaned into God, some of the things that have helped shape my life. Is that okay? So, so let me just, you kind of don't have a choice, but I'm just asking if it's okay. Uh, these are things that I would say intentionality has produced. Being intentional about the effects of what other people did to me and how it affected me, how I don't want to be that to someone else. These would be things that I saw in people's lives that broke their lives, shattered their lives, destroyed their lives, or significantly impacted their lives, and I learned from their lessons. And I learned, and these are probably mistakes that I've made, that I've said, you know what, I, I was not the best friend, or I was not the best of how I could be, and so I want to make sure that I am continually leaning into some of these things. So this is not an exhaust, uh, exhaustive list, this is just a few things. The first one would be integrity. I desire that at the end of my life, I'm surrounded by people of integrity. Not shady people. Not scammers. Not liars. Not manipulators. Not, not people who use you. Not people who are users. Not, not people who only take from you. But people of integrity. And people of integrity are, are, are people who, they are who they are when they're in front of you. And they are who they are when they're not in front of you. They're the same person. They're not one way in front of you in a different way when you're not around. They're not one way on Sunday in a different way on Monday. They're not this way to your face, but completely opposite. Are we those people? See, integrity. See, some of us are like, well, the person I'm thinking about that you're speaking, well, they're not exactly sinful, but they're shady. Well, shady lives right next door to sinful. And it's only a matter of time. If there's smoke, there's fire, and it's just a matter of time before it turns into a lack of integrity. And we just have to think about that. The integrity of the upright, the integrity. This is what Scripture talks about. The integrity of those who are upright. Our yes being yes, our no being no. When we say we're going to do something, we follow through with it. We are people of integrity. Because that's a resolve that we have, and we expect that of other people. That means that has to be operating in us. It's not enough, enough for us to expect it of others if at the same time we're not going to demand it of ourselves. Number two, a hard work ethic. Man, this is something that doesn't sound so spiritual, yet Scripture talks so clearly about hard work, about not being lazy. There's only so much time you can have for Netflix, Right? There's only so much time you can have for Netflix. There's only so much time. Like, there, there must be, if people are going to be close to me, they have to have a hard work ethic. I, I, it's hard for me to respect people who don't like to work. I'm just laying it out there. I, I'm not saying we, we have to like our job. Sometimes we hate our jobs, but we like to work. And if we could find the right job, we would love to work at the right job. But nevertheless, we have to work hard to get to the next place. Until God opens that door. And in, in that time, we have to see, maybe God is using me here for a reason. Maybe it's a season. Instead of cursing the ground, why not bless it and nurture it and water it and trust God to grow something? Maybe somebody will cross paths with me that I'm going to impact. I connected with someone just recently uh, who, 20 years ago, we, we haven't even hung out. We probably hung out a dozen times in 20 years. That's not a lot. But this is a person that 
long ago sowed into my life financially. When I was going to Bible college, I didn't ask for this, but I'd gotten saved and I said, I'm going to Bible college and um, I'm working hard to just sell everything I have and move across the, the country and I'm going to go to Bible college. And he said, okay, I want to I want to sow into your life. I said, I'm not asking for that, man. He said, no, no, I really want to do this. I want to I commit. Let me pray about it. I want to commit to just sowing something into your life. I'm going to tithe the church, but offerings I'm going to give to you when I can. Whatever I have, I'm going to try and try and make that happen. So he didn't tell me an amount. He didn't tell me anything. I'm just following here. I'm talking about integrity and hard work. This guy worked hard. He's a person of integrity. Check this out. Over the course of the next, I don't know, nine months while I was getting ready to go to Bible college, there were other people who came up to me that said the exact same thing. I wasn't asking anyone for money. I wasn't putting out a GoFundMe. There was no internet in GoFundMe. There was literally just like, you know, go have fun. No GoFundMe. It was me just going. Good luck. And I remember there was about 10 people. And I remember just having conversations with people saying, man, I'm making this big decision. And there's already 10 people who said they're going to financially, like, so I could just never even imagine. I wasn't looking for this. I didn't ask for it. They're just going to do it. This is incredible. One guy followed through with that. It taught me a lesson about integrity. Now, I don't know if people hit hard times. I don't know if, if people promised and, you know, overpromised and underdelivered. I don't know if they lost their job. I don't know what happened. I don't hold it against him. I just know this. We got to be careful about what we say to others. And we got to be careful about saying we'll do something to others and then not following through with that. That speaks more about our witness than anything else. Integrity, that's what integrity is. And hard work says, I will do whatever it takes to follow through with that commitment. And I remember this guy sent me money every year for the first year. And then the second year, he doubled it. And he sent me even more. And it blessed my life. It changed my life. It helped my life. Why did that happen? Because he had integrity. He had a hard work ethic. Here's another one. Kingdom-minded. Kingdom-minded people should be around your life. You should have a resolve in your life to be surrounded by kingdom-minded people. Look, if they're not building the kingdom, they are building their kingdom. And you are there for the taking. You are there to fulfill them and their dreams and everything that's surrounding them. We want kingdom-minded people in our life. Here's another one. People who are visionaries and dreamers. Dreamers inspire dreamers. You put something awesome on social media, Cole, about, about if the parents are dreamers, the children are often dreamers too. Did you read that somewhere? Is it like a stat or something? Oh, it's a, okay. Yeah, that's awesome. He's a great pastor. And so like if, I mean, think about it. If you spend your time dreaming as a visionary, you're inspiring your children to dream. If you're the type of parent that's like, no, don't, don't shoot for that. No, 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 no. That's dangerous. No, 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 don't do that. That costs too much money. Oh, no, you, you, just need to, you just need to do that. Like, if we're never inspiring our own friends and children to redeem, how are we going to reflect the goodness in the kingdom of God, the bigness of God, a life of faith? We need to be visionaries and dreamers. If, if people don't dream around me, we have very little in common. That's the truth, because I, I don't think I ever stop dreaming about what's next. Here's another one, sacrificial and generous people. Man, this is critical. It, it, sacrificial and generous people, generous relationships, people who don't give will move on from you when you no longer benefit them. Think about it. Who, who, those who are takers, when they're done taking, they're done. 
when they've gotten everything they can get from the relationship, they're done. Anybody ever been used in a relationship? Right? Someone contacts you for something, maybe it be business, maybe it be uh, something that you need. They, they reach out, they want from you, but you never see anything back in return. Now, I understand we're to be generous people, but at the same time, for a healthy relationship to go the distance, if all I did was take from my wife and take from my wife and take from my wife, at the end of the day, if I'm never giving anything back, the relationship's not balanced. It's not healthy. And it's not going to go the distance. Sacrificial people. Great relationships are give and take. Relationships are not a place to be stingy and cheap. They're not a place to be stingy and cheap. A relationship to your spouse is not a place to be stingy and cheap. A relationship to your friends is not a place to be stingy and cheap. A relationship to your church is not a place to be stingy and cheap. A relationship to the people you're ministering to that you're trying to love, that's not a place to be stingy and cheap. I do my best as much as possible to to buy people lunch, buy people coffee, just, just the simple things to just be a blessing to somebody. I've never gone out and said, you know what? I'm so sacrificial and and giving and generous. I'm going to buy you a brand new car and put myself in debt. Uh, I'm not going to do that. I can't do that. Okay? But I can extend myself and say, you know what? That budget was for me to have lunch, but you know what? I'm going to sew it into them, and tomorrow I'm going to eat a bowl of uh, a can of Amy's soup for dinner because I want to sew into someone else's life. I will sacrifice so that someone else can be blessed. Does that make sense? All right. Here's another thing. Big-spirited people. Big-spirited, not small-spirited, but big-spirited. Just, just having a resolve to be a big-spirited person where, where you are the one that's fanning the flames of other people's dreams and passions and goals and parenting. You know, not being the guy who's always telling people that they're eating something that's wrong. You know, not be, you know, you know the you know the person that eats healthy for like two weeks and all of a sudden they're giving your Facebook feed three hundred things. Like, at least do it for a year and show us some results and and give us some facts. But I'm I'm right in the middle of a piece of pizza while you're telling me that it, I should be having a plant based diet. I understand, but show me your results and and that will like be big spirited about it. Let me tell you what this change has done in my life. Right then I'm going. Oh wow. Tell me, tell me, I want to I learn from that. Big-spirited about money. Big-spirited about people. J- just being willing to be an, an investment into people's lives and big in people's lives. Not fearful, but faith-filled. That's what a big-spirited person is. Not a fearful person, but a faith-filled person. A person who believes the best. Like, I'm always surprised when I talk to someone and the first thing that comes out of their mouth is fear. You know, oh, I'm, I'm going up to... Uh, going up to Oregon. Oh, man, you better be careful. There's bears in Oregon, you know? That's the first thing that came to your mind? Well, I saw this documentary the other day. Yeah, yeah, but you didn't even ask me what I'm going to do. The first thing that came to your mind is that there's bears? Or you think they're going to, like, invade the airplane and chew us all to pieces? Like, where did that that fear come from? Some people don't even know that the first thing that comes to their mind is fear because they're not faith-filled. They're fearful. And it crushes their spirit and they live small and they squash their own possibilities. They reduce God down to their fears and then they get everybody else to come down to those same fears that they have that didn't come from God, came from their small spirit. Here's another thing, loyalty. Loyalty is a pillar that comes from your life. I'll say this, I may not be the perfect friend, but I'm a loyal friend. 
I may not get everything right, but I tell you this, when the chips are down, when somebody's talking about you, I will have your back. If it is three in the morning, I will be at the hospital. If you're my friend, I will be there. If someone's talking about you, you better get ready to hold on to your teeth because I'm about to punch you in the mouth. Not really, but you see what I'm saying. There's a sense to me that, that loyalty, if you don't have loyalty and trust, what do you have? What is the relationship made of? It's surface, right? So loyalty is a, is a pillar. And that means that if I'm committed to you, then no one is going to shake me out of that with a bad opinion of you. If I'm committed to you, I'm committed to you. I know you're not perfect, and I know I'm not perfect. But if I'm loyal to you, I'm loyal to you, right? Disloyalty is something for me that I've learned I just I can't trust. That, that's something that I've not been able to shake, like disloyalty. Uh, and, and especially if people are defensive about it. If, if, if you have to spend your time convincing people that loyalty should be something that's valuable in a relationship, that's not a healthy relationship. And that's probably not a relationship for the distance. In other words, I have to convince you that you're my friend and that I'm your friend. If I have to convince you that I'm for you, not against you, if my life hasn't shown that through my actions, come on, am I talking to somebody? Some of us have made excuses for to- toxic relationships over time. And wondered, you know, why, 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 why can't I get this person to change? You can't get disloyal people to be loyal. You can't change who people are. Only God can change who people are. Scripture says, how can two walk together unless they agree? How can, how can two arrive at the same destination if they have those same desires, that same desired outcome, those same values? Does that make sense? Um. Let me just give you this last scripture. We're running late. I'll close with this. Luke chapter 6. In these days, Jesus went out to a mountain to pray. And all night he continued in prayer to God. That sounds pretty spiritual, doesn't it? Let's read it again. In these days, he went out to the mountain to pray. And all night he continued to pray to God. And then look what it says. And when the day came, he called his disciples and chose from them 12 whom he named apostle who is jesus intentional about his disciples how did he choose them intentionally when did he choose them after he'd spent time praying about it that he didn't just bring anyone into his life to be a part of his future that there was some spiritual intentional desire behind what was shaping his decision so the question I want to leave you with today is what relationships, I'm sorry, uh, what relationships uh, are you building and what type of life are you trying to end up at? Where are you trying to end up? Because your relationships are shaped by what you're building. Whatever you're building now, whatever you're choosing now, whatever you're choosing right now in this season is shaping what God is building in and through your life. Do you have the wisdom and the security to invite people in who can help you? People who can be a blessing to your life and in the same way, you can be a blessing in their life. I've been asking this question to a lot of people lately for some reason, but I've been asking them this. Are you the smartest person in your world? Are you the smartest person in your world? If you're the smartest person in your world, it's time to broaden your world because that's not big spirited. Be comfortable with having people in your life that know more than you that are stronger than you, that are further along from you. All it does is enlarge the territory of possibility for your life and what God can do through your life. Find a great marriage if you have a good marriage. 
Find a good marriage if you have a bad marriage. Find a, find a great set of parents if you are needing help in your parenting. Find a great leader if you're an okay leader. Find a great man or a great woman if you're not exactly where you want to be as a man or a woman. That makes sense? Come on, let's pray today that God would shape in our life a greater desire to have a resolve for our relationships. If you would like the most up-to-date information about Grace Avenue Church or you are looking for a way to support this ministry, please visit us online at graceavenuechurch.com. Thanks for listening.